Welcome to our podcast Inside SAP S4HANA. There is no customer success without product success and project success. I'm joined today by not only one, but two guests. Let me introduce the first one, my co-host for today. Even though I don't think she actually needs a lot of an introduction, as she has been with us for um, an entire series already. And that was a series on three great episodes on SAP Fiori adoption strategies. So let's just welcome her back, Joyce Lindart from the Regional Implementation Group in the APJ region. Hi, Joyce Lynn. Hi, thanks, Karina. Hi, nice to have you on the call today. So for our second guest, we have the pleasure to have Matt Harding, who is independent SAP UX and development architect plus developer. He's an extended contractor developer at Hydro Tasmania, also providing solution, UX, and development architecture. Matt, welcome to the call today. Thank you, Karina. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. So before we dive into today's topic, which should be about transitioning GUI users to SAP Fiori, Matt, um, I'd like to invite you to participate in our game. Joyce knows that already. So that is every newbie to our podcast should start off with telling something personal, some personal stories or fun facts. So just that we get to know you a bit better. So is there anything that you would like to share with us, Matt? Uh, maybe not want to share, but I'll share. Uh, well, I've, um, <laughs> what I could say, I've tried to combine my engineering, um, my engineering degree with my love for music my, my whole life. Uh, and there was probably a point uh, about two years into my engineering uh, degree that I just decided to call it quits and to move to a very different course of audio engineering. Uh, at that very exact time, the course I wanted to do became part-time and I ended up going back to uni and luckily my first job was a company called Fairlight where I again got to combine my music and my my uh, engineering together. It was a company that developed uh, like movie audio engine engineering software. And hardware was also where I, I learned a lot about the user experience for end users because that was their main focus. So, yeah, music and engineering, that's my main focus. Passion. Nice. I guess we will talk a bit more about the engineering part. So um, what uh, exact bands do you listen to when you say you love music? Is there like a favorite band that you have or favorite uh, instrument? <laughs> favorite, uh, definitely a guitarist. Um, That's my main instrument and uh, lover of mostly rock and, you know, everything from grunge, John Mayer style, Billy Joel, anything. It's just good, good beats. Sounds great. Thanks so much for sharing that. So, Joycelyn, you're certainly not a newbie. I don't want to say you're an oldie, <laughs> but I'm sure um, that the audience uh, knows you very well already from the interviews you had with Yannick um, on the three episodes. And that was more than a year ago already. So um, still, I do not want to exclude you from this game. So is there anything that you would like to share with the audience? What are you up to these days anyway? Oh, I've just come back from a couple of days uh, leave, actually. Um, uh, I mean, living in Australia, I love wildlife um, and I love the nature. So we've just spent a couple of days uh, down the coast enjoying some of our national parks and uh, it's a lovely chance to just have a break and relax and recharge. That sounds wonderful. 
So, but I guess besides uh, recharging batteries, you are also writing a lot of blogs and just recently also a very popular one on transitioning GUI to SAP Fiori. So how did that come about? Well, in I'm part of the S4HANA regional implementation group. Uh, we shepherd a lot of S4HANA projects and we quite frequently get questions around how to move GUI users into the new world of user experience with SAP Fiori. So across many customer experiences, we've seen a number of approaches that are tried and you get to see what works well and what maybe doesn't work so well. Um, so for me, Hydro Tasmania is one of those companies who are handling user experience exceptionally well and really staging that journey in a pragmatic way that aligns with their business readiness and their needs. And that's why I wanted Matt to come along. <laughs> so how actually uh, did that come along then with Matt? Um, oh, I can. I'll jump in there if you like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the the look, um, the Hydro Tasmania again. I'm a contractor there, so I, I don't talk on behalf of them. But you know, they had uh, through the last uh, implementation of ECC, they did a whole implementation using the business client. They spent a lot of time on user experience. I was there as well at that time as well, pushing that quite strongly. So they they had some previous experience using Fury Launchpad. Uh, they had. You know, a good ESS MSS presence in the Fury Launchpad even before they went towards S4HANA. Uh, but we did have a lot of users still very much in business client and in SAP GUI. So when we went to the S4HANA, you know, we, we decided to go all in on Fury Launchpad for the maximum Fury benefits from an S4HANA imp implementation. Um, you know, one of the things we did to sort of help them get past that a little bit was we embraced the design they already had in the business client with the index pages. So there was a relationship between the Fury Launchpad app finder to the business client they were used to. Um, and then, you know, it took a bit of effort, but we put some demos together and got the end users in, you know, we had my, the, the change manager come and do interviews with quite a large number of, of the, the business and got real simple feedback that sometimes had, you know, real value things like uh, you know purchasing card adding just the word credit to the the aliases to look up when you search for it uh, really simple things that you know typically make sap a little bit harder for some new users um, picked up a lot of things like that picked up some more hard harder scenarios we had to fix up as well but it was really valuable in the end to get that feedback which ended up giving a bit of buy into the business as well uh, so you know in the end of all of that, you know, the things that really stood out from the S4HANA was, you know, the ability to personalize. You know, we actually had a blank homepage for the most part, except for a couple of things and let people find find apps in the App Finder. We really focused on enterprise search working well and, you know, using that related apps feature that is really important in S4HANA. And they were really the, the standout features for the end users. It's just still, you know, still a lot, lot more work to be done, but that's a good start. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that really impressed me about Hydro and what Matt uh, and his team were doing is that they were actually meeting with users and doing all of that uh, user research and usability studies uh, because a lot of customers, you know, they don't think to do that. And yet this is where you get those real pragmatic tips that make all the difference. Um, and I was particularly happy when Matt told me that uh, search was one of the things that was really resonating with users because that's a pattern that I've seen continually, even from the earliest days of S4HANA 1511, just came up again at one of my New Zealand customers I'm currently shepherding. It really is one of those uh, little killer apps of the uh, S4HANA Fiori Launchpad. 
uh, that ability to take any idea or reference and just quickly find what it represents in your system and then launch straight to any apps or even your classic UIs from the search results. That's just a real winner. Um, I want to go back now to how you're using business client because that's really interesting to me. Uh, because prior to the conversion to S4HANA, I know you had a lot of happy SAP GUI users within your business client and Internet Explorer, and you moved them to Chrome. So can you explain a little bit more about the approach you took there? Uh, sure. So this is probably the more user-hostile approach to get a better outcome. Um, look, if you start with browsers, we still had, you know, IE was the company default. Internet Explorer was the company default at the time. You know, from a from a developer perspective, that, that's an awful outcome when you have that. Uh, you know, we were supporting all browsers because we had a lot of, you know, people more comfortable with changing browsers, switching to Chrome and Edge and others. Uh, so... To simplify that, we went with a Chrome first approach, which you know actually the icon on the desktop force, forcefully um, opened up the Fury Launchpad to Chrome, and better yet, you know uh, there was no actual business client icon on the desktop. We'll talk about that in a second. But you know just by moving to Chrome, we get better end user performance, and you know we've simplified the whole testing um, for the IT department as well. So again, not a user thing, but hopefully the users benefits from that end user performance. Um, now, from the business client and SAP GUI perspective, uh, we, again, we didn't give them access to business client directly. We did have a tile in the Fury Launchpad, and there are apps that deliberately would launch the um, business client because they weren't supported by the uh, the native Chrome, so or web GUI at that point. But, um, you know, that was more the exception than the rule. So, you know... By transitioning to that single browser, you know, that, that's the, the dream. We know the business client will come out soon, or it has come out with an edge option. So uh, we're not quite ready to take on that yet, but we will switch from Chrome to Edge for everything, and then we'll have one single modern browser to support the whole landscape, which will be great. So, yeah, um, one thing I'll just point out, only yesterday a colleague commented to me, he saw this new organizational structure app in, in um, the Fury Launchpad, and I just pointed out it was Web GUI. Um, and he didn't realize it was, it was, you know, it's come that far, the whole web GUI experience. So the, <laughs> the transition from SAP GUI to web GUI isn't as bad as it is, it, it used to be. Yes, it's, it's a lot closer. And um, I find even with Web Pro app app, I, I have to double check with Web Pro app app app. So, you know, you really have to look quite closely now to change, tell the difference. Thanks a lot. That's really interesting. Um, also, the shift um, from UX and also about the mindset you have at Hydro Tasmania. Now, of course, you said that it is a lot smoother than it used to be. Um, but I think uh, there are still probably some issues and some unforeseen things that are still occurring here and there. And Joycelyn, your blog post was about some of these difficulties you commonly see across many SAP S4HANA projects. Now, what in your view is the most common misstep that projects make in this journey and how can you maybe avoid these? Yeah, uh, th thanks, Karina. I, I mean, one of the things I think it comes back to is that issue of mindset um, and whether you're coming into the project with the right mindset in the first place. Because um, what we often see tending to happen on projects is, is people either come in with an all or nothing or fury only dogma approach and that doesn't really help in managing the place of change when you you lack the nuance of pragmatically how you're going to get people to get there so when you say 
oh, no, I'm not doing anything because it's all too scary. You don't even get your first learnings. And when you're saying, no, we have to have Fiori everything, it's like, well, hang on a minute. That's a lot of change for your IT team, for your business team to absorb. Yeah, and I think the second thing that uh, a lot of people just seem to get overwhelmed by the amount of choice. If you don't have a clear business, why? I mean, when you think about it, we now have more than 2,000. We've actually got more than 2,100 SAP Fiori apps that you can use with SAP S4HANA. And it's a lot to absorb. If you don't have a clear why, even just trying to decide what you include in your scope, what you're going to fit gap, or include in your fit to standard analysis, that gets tricky without a why. So the best way that uh, I see to overcome this on projects is like BATS is just to be really clear on the why for change, particularly the business why for change. Uh, if you're clear on the why, it sort of helps you work out what you need to change and how you're going to stage that change. Uh, and that also narrows down your selection scope. So Often the IT why is pretty clear, but it's also very generic. So be more mobile, get to a platform for automation. And that's all fine, uh, but um, it's sort of not a real clear business why. So, you know, if I give a couple of examples, um, one of my utility customers, when I spoke to them at the start of the pandemic, they'd just been live with S4HANA for a year. And one of their things was we wanted to be more mobile. and. That was still a great result for them. So the ITY is not, um, it's not uh, negligible. It, it's, it's still important because they said to me, if we hadn't made that shift, we'd actually be sunk now going into lockdown because we were tired with everybody working from the desktop and that desktop had to be an office, had to be in the office. So moving to the work from home model has been an advantage. But what I like even more is where you have a clear business why. And I like it when I see even quite small customers. Um, one of my customers that um, has publicly spoken uh, at our uh, APJ User Experience Forum is Christchurch City Council, very small customer in New Zealand. Uh, but they had a really clear business why. They wanted a simpler, more guided user for casual finance users who are mostly on the move. And for these users, GUI was a burden. They only had a few tasks they needed. And when you know that that's what you're aiming at, it becomes very simple to pick where am I going to focus? What apps am I going to focus on? What do they need and what do they don't need? Two great examples and uh, really different, very diverse examples that you brought Matt, going back to your move to SAP Sohana, how did Hydro Tasmania approach that question? So the business why and how did that actually also impact what new UX you were bringing to the people? Yeah, so look, Hydro had many reasons to move to SAP Sohana. I mean, my main push was always user experience being the number one focus. Uh, I was a bit pushed, pushed that quite strongly. So um, yeah, that was one of the key uh, you know reasons, but there were plenty of other business reasons which I I, I won't get into because um, that's as I said I cared mostly about the user experience. But um, you know it was a journey to to implement that you you the whole Fury user experience. You know the US from a UX perspective, it's mainly like a conversion to using Fury Launchpad and Web GUI with a sprinkling of the the handy enabling Fiori apps because, you know, we didn't have time to go through every single available transactional Fiori app and see if it was fit for purpose. That is something which requires a lot of, a lot of effort and a lot of testing. But, you know, everything 
pretty much the old stuff all continue to work okay, but with the new, a little bit look and feel of Fury. Uh, so, you know, we've focused on the App Finder design, the Fury Search and Semantic Navigation, which is what I referenced before, and that, you know, enabled us to move in the right direction going forward. If we hadn't done that, we probably would be in a lot worse position to you know, enable additional Fury apps going forward. That sure sounds like a lot of good reasons and also some benefits resulting out of that. So, Joycelyn, I have one last question for you, because just earlier you mentioned that sometimes the all-or-nothing dogma gets in the way. Um, what exactly did you mean by that? And um, do you think there's maybe a more helpful approach? Yeah, uh, uh, one of the things we see quite often, uh, particularly when um, people are maybe not so experienced, they've sort of got the, the big sales messaging or the big positioning, but not so much the nuance is they get to this fury only position and it's just not realistic for the business readiness. And it doesn't have the business buy-in because it doesn't align to business outcomes. So it's sort of change for change's sake. Um, I'd say often what happens then is the project comes in and you often get a lot of consultants who are also coming from a GUI background and are themselves reluctant to change. And then you get this clash of uh, mindsets and clash of ideas between, oh, we want to do everything this way or no, I don't want to do anything this way or, you know, and none of it is then focused on what does the business actually need or want. Um, I see one of the things that happens there is people will start to assume that, oh, business users can't want any change because I don't want any change. And that's also um, very unfair. It's really more about balancing people's capacity to change and their need to change for the business. Um, so if you keep bringing it back to what do we need to do as a business, well, who needs to change and why, uh, then you get to find that tipping point between the risks and rewards of change. And, you know, you don't have to climb Machu Picchu in a day, but maybe you want to just get up to that next level that gives you a better perspective, maybe bring in some embedded analytics that gives you a bit more insight, um, or you want to bring in that situation handling scenario that just makes what you're already doing a little bit easier. Um, so when there's not an urgent opportunity or pain point, The other thing that I find as a helpful position is really to think complementary. Rather than we have to replace everything, think about, well, what can we introduce now that improves people's ability to contribute to the business outcomes um, that they're already contributing to? You know, And sometimes that's just how do we make it easier for them to prioritize the work that they're already doing? And a lot of manager monitor apps and a lot of overview apps are, are really good for that. And those first steps then give them a momentum, they give them an idea of what's possible, and that helps in building your roadmap for change. Um, so the, the big two quick queen areas for me that we see again and again is embedded analytics, um, those overview pages, those monitor and manage apps of which there are just shed loads, there's heaps and heaps of them um, for all sorts of different business objects. And the real quick win for the intelligent automation Uh, we're seeing um, coming in since about 1909 is situation handling. Uh, everybody gets it straight away. It's the easy ad of intelligent automation because it's like, I get told this is happening. I, I understand why it's happening. It's something I already do, but now I'm getting told sooner. I get the information I need to deal with it. I don't need to go searching for it. 
and I can make a decision and record that decision. Um, so it's a nice, nice quick win. Um, and yeah, so I love to see that sort of thing. And I love to see examples where we've got customers doing it. Uh, what I like to think was doing it smart, doing it sensible. Um, so like I said, I mentioned Christchurch City Council before. We had them on our uh, ABJ UX forum. They started with 12 apps and they grew to more than 120 in one year, including their first overview pages. Great example of business focus to what they're doing. Um, doesn't have to have a huge IT department. They really have a couple of guys and that was all it is. Uh, but because they were focused, they could do it in a sensible way. Um, of my current customers, uh, I've got a, a utilities customer who just went live a couple of weeks back. Uh, they've started with 25 apps in finance to get basically a showcase role going, so show people what's possible uh, alongside the, some of the things that they already do. And their next phase, they've already got plans to grow that UX footprint. Um, and uh, I've got another customer who's going live in uh, June. They chose 26 primary apps that they, they want to go live with, plus the, the apps that navigate they navigate to from there. So that whole idea of semantic navigation that um, Matt was talking about. Um, so in total, that works out at about 40 apps. Not a big set. Uh, but in that first wave, they actually have five lighthouse apps. So, you know, best new business apps, business value apps, best new business value apps. Let's say that slowly. <laughs> um, seven overview pages and 19 of the 26 of Fiori Element apps, which means they're consistent patterns. So when they're training users, uh, they only have to train users in that pattern once. And then the only difference is the data. They know how to use the app. So a lot of monitor manager monitor, manage, and upload apps. Great examples again. And it comes all back to the business why, right? So it's really yeah. important to know where you want to go and yeah, have that yeah. in mind before you do that change. Yeah, I like to look at it as if you know the why, the what and the how, that gets a lot easier because you know <laughs> it's, yeah, it, that's, it's as simple as that. If you know why, what and how, it's a lot easier to focus. So Matt, does that sort of approach fit with where you see Hydro Tasmania moving next or do you do it differently? Uh, well, we were on a 1809 S400 with 1909 uh, front end, so we're not doing any situation handling at this point in time. But the embedded analytics, absolutely. Um, I mean, we even use the HANA semi, semi in that way using SAP Analytical Cloud as well because, you know, just having this uh, access to data in real time in multiple places does help. So, you know, we've got the ability to and we have stood up quite a, a large number of find XYZ. You, you mentioned all those other ones, but find is another fairy element scenario that is a nice quick win. So enabling things like find maintenance orders, um, you know, but then we've also really delved into a lot of custom fury elements with a, you know, reusing or custom CDS for a lot of the custom uh, custom insight to action scenarios that are a bit more specific to what we need. So, because they're, they're actually very quick to put with this new framework that S4HANA gives you. It takes a little while to learn it all and understand all the uh, required annotations to everything. But, you know, after you get past that battle, the quick one, quick wins going forward. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely that embedded analytics is an easy, easy win when you move to <laughs> S4HANA. It takes a little while to learn as a developer, but as a business user, <laughs> even quicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
simple is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually simple, hope- but it's hard to find the first time. <laughs> yeah, this really is where, hope- yeah, sparks come yeah, under the cover. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Karina. No worries. So I really hope, Matt, that uh, we will have a chance to maybe hear from you also in the future how things have been moving on your side. At least I'd really be interested in that. So maybe one day we can welcome you back. Sounds good. Good. Thanks. Thanks so much, Joycelyn. Thanks so much, Matt, for taking your time and doing this episode with me today. It was really insightful. Thanks so much for all the examples you shared. So... I really hope that you also enjoyed our conversation and hope to have you back one day. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Karina. And thanks, Matt, for joining in. That's great. (laughs) Thanks so much and stay healthy. And that goes to everyone out there. Please, please stay healthy. And as always, if you like this episode, if you have any feedback or if you'd like to propose any other topic, maybe, then engage with us via InsideS4 at SAP.com. Stay tuned and be Inside SAP S4 HANA. <laughs>